so you can find the Bible reading on the inside of the page. So if you want to open that up, it's right in there, very convenient. And Lucky's going to read this passage out for us, and then Rob is going to come and speak. Hey, I'm Lucky, I'm a third year engineering student. The passage is just He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him. This man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master has taken the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to bear. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from this management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, How much money do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down, quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commanded the dishonest manager to his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of life. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves a means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal delights. One who is faithful in a very little in very little, is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little, is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful with the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what is in others, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. So either he will hate one and love other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is in abomination in the sight of God. The law of the prophets were until John. Since it is the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one God of the Lord to become void. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even when the dogs came with his sores, Four men died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this land. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime, Receiving you your good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not do so, and none may come from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, where I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear. And he said, No, Father Abraham, 
like someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Good afternoon, welcome. My name is Rob, and great to have you with us. If you've not been with us before, uh, welcome to you. Thank you, Lachlan, for, for reading. We're in the middle of this semester, uh, of, or this semester in the middle of Luke's biography of Jesus. Jesus spearheads God's kingdom that's coming into the world, that God's bringing into the world. It's not a kingdom with a PO box or a head office somewhere. It doesn't have geographical boundaries that map it out. It's mapped out dynamically, God's kingdom. That is, it's seen in the changing orientation of people's lives and the shaping of whole groups of people by, by preaching. By preaching. Down in verse 16, you can see it on your sheets there, where Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees, says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. Or if you've got your Bible and a footnote, it says everyone is forcefully urged into it. But it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one dot of the law to become void. This new kingdom is coming in, and Jesus is bringing it in, and he's bringing it in by preaching the good news. When you've got a free afternoon, you want to read Luke's gospel, just look for whatever Jesus talked about preaching and the kingdom. That's how God brings the kingdom in, by preaching. Not preaching meaning uh, standing behind the lectern, uh, speaking to 50, 60 people, uh, no, that's too much speaking the message of Jesus to people, urging them to turn back to God. That's how the kingdom comes in. Because chapter 15 last week, you were with us, we learned that everyone rejoices when lost things are found. Everyone rejoices when lost things are found, but God lavishly splurges on repentant sinners. When they hear the message and they turn back, God splurges his best on repentant sinners. And we saw the week before that who enters the kingdom, it's those, not just who the invitation goes out to, to come into the kingdom, but those who receive it, those who accept it and respond to it. And it's easily missed, it's easily assumed, but it's also widely available for anyone, anywhere to get into the kingdom. Well, what's that got to do with money that you've been talking about? And that Jesus talks about in this chapter. What's all that got to do with money? Well, as we do dive into this, I'm going to lead us in prayer. This is God's word to us. I'm going to ask God to help us understand. If you want to say amen at the end, please do so. 
Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it teaches about your kingdom coming. Pray that you might help us to understand it today and to be able to change our lives and shape our lives accordingly. Amen. Well, yeah, what's this all got to do with money? I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you may not have noticed that the theme of money actually runs through all these chapters. Jesus goes to uh, a rich man's place for a rich banquet and talks about how when you have a banquet, don't invite your rich friends, but invite your poor friends, poor people, who you wouldn't normally invite. He tells a story about a rich man that puts on a banquet and invites people. Uh, no doubt the people there are rich, but they have turned down the invitation. And he says to his servant, go out and invite the poor people, the poor, the blind, the lame, the crippled, and they come in. And of course, they do come in. And then Jesus tells a story about a man who loses a precious sheep, a woman who loses a precious coin, uh, a son who goes and spends his father's fortune and wastes it in a moment on himself, only to be welcomed back by the father and given lavish, expensive gifts and and then treated to a very expensive dinner at a very expensive restaurant or something like that. It's all about, well, money runs through it all. And Jesus has been speaking to outsiders through all of these things, all these stories and all these accounts. But now he speaks to his disciples, we call them this chapter, and he starts talking about money, teaching his disciples about money, and tells his story. It's a great one, isn't it? A rich man had a manager who was wasting his possessions, so he fires him. But before the manager leaves, he calls in all of the boss's clients and slashes their bills massively and fraudulently. Uh, the owner finds out and probably probably swears, uh, but commends the man for his shrewdness. He's a street wise operator, and he does it so that when he finishes up, when he has to leave, he'll have a few mates that he can call on and go around and stay with him. And Jesus teaches his disciples that they need to sharpen up like this guy and be shrewd like that too. Verse 8. Second part of verse 8, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I'll tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Get your head around what Jesus says if you're up right there and you've understood this chapter. Why don't you have a go at team? at your tables about this question. What is Jesus teaching his disciples in verse 1?
that helps and it's the stuff that we make rich, apparently. Uh, and Jesus says, use all that to make friends for yourselves um, so that they might welcome you into eternal dwellings when it fails. Now, if this is your first week at um, uh, Bible Talks, uh, you're not familiar with the Bible at all, you're not familiar with Jesus, this is a great week to be here because all the readers don't understand what's happening either, and so you're all on the same level. Uh, it's Jesus. You can't be saying, be dishonest and rip off your employer like this guy does. Correct. He's not commended for his unrighteousness. He's saying, he's commended for his shrewdness, his wisdom, his smart, strict smartness, his his astuteness, he's, he's a master at dealing with money and how you, you use your wealth. The world says, get money and stuff. Jesus says, spend money and stuff to make friends. Friends who will welcome you into eternal dwellings when your money and stuff fails. When does money and stuff fail? When does money and stuff fail? Yeah. When it gets stolen. It's stolen. Yeah. When, when, when you don't have enough. When you don't have enough to do what you want to do. Buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you die. Yeah. You can't take it. You can. Uh, money and stuff. When you die. Also, there's some stuff that money, even no matter how much you've got, doesn't fix. Failing relationships, throwing money at it, generally doesn't help. That might be your options, things to do. Um, sickness and disease, money won't necessarily fix that. Death, it definitely fails. You can't take it with you. So in Luke 12, Jesus talks about the fool who's incredibly, incredibly rich, but not rich towards God, and has nothing when he dies but to stand before God who judges him for how he used his stuff. Finances fail in death. Uh, you can't take it with you. But, 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 Jesus says, if you use them now to see friends join the kingdom, well, they'll welcome you. When the time comes for you to die, when you go to be in God's kingdom in heaven, you'll, if you like, see your money and stuff again in eternity. Uh, not that you get your stuff back, uh, so you don't get your 980 Ford laser that you drove someone to media conference or on board in. You know, you can see that up there in heaven. Uh, but you receive the rich welcome in heaven from friends who come to know Christ because of the way you've used your stuff and spent your cash. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like other than what Jesus explains here. They will receive you into eternal dwellings. Everyone's into home ownership and affordability of home ownership. Jesus says, put your cash and stuff into home ownership. So that other people can own homes in the new kingdom Welcome you in. 
That's how you use your stuff. And when it does fail, they'll welcome you. Uh, I don't know, again, what it will look like, but I think it's a, it's a cool picture, isn't it? I can imagine some scenarios. I, can, I guess that there will be friends that we have that we've actually never met and probably will never meet in this lifetime. In people from our own era, I can imagine that there will be there uh, people from Asia, Africa, uh, the Middle East, who welcome us in and say, uh, thank you, because of your spending, I actually had the opportunity to hear about the kingdom and be here. Thank you. Come on in. Uh, I have space for you. I know that is certainly true of a few very generous friends of mine. They just give to the gospel going thing. And they'll be here and now, friends, won't they? I hope you can think of some who you might be reunited with in a welcome. I know many international students who come here to UOW will welcome many local Aussies, Christians such as yourselves, because you guys have used your stuff to make friends with them for the sake of the kingdom. And they are now in the kingdom, those people. Homes open to share meals and Bible study, invitations for people to come and uh, come and spend Easter with my family, with our family, and hear along the way something of what Jesus' death is actually all about. Uh, donations that people give towards uh, camps and subsidising camps, so that uh, especially the international, but also for others, but it is very expensive, they can afford to go. Um, giving towards those who make it their work to make friends for the gospel, and others who train you to make friends for the gospel and giving towards them. But it's more than just giving money, like you might sort of donate money to the sellers or someone who comes to the door. You know, you think, oh, that sounds like a pretty worthwhile sort of cause. I'll chuck a few bucks at that. It's a whole world of difference. It's grasping that your bank balance, your actual current bank balance, though it may be close to all zeros, and it's grasping that the coins in your pocket and everything that you have that is that you would tag with the label riches, anything that you have, all of it exists for the sake of this kingdom that Jesus is bringing in. And you're expected to be shrewd about how you use it. You're expected to be wise, astute, on the front foot, actually knowledgeable about how to make it work in this world and work for the kingdom. That's your job if you've got the stuff. And the more stuff you have, just the more you have to be more knowledgeable. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the less stuff you've got, you've got to be more astute because you've got to be able to make it work better. So what's the answer to that first question that's on your outline? What's money meant for? Is it meant for saving? Any, any consensus on any, any tables that says saving? Money is for saving? 
Spending, can anyone say it's for spending? A couple of bigger hands up there. Giving away, a few, yep, one committal hands. Nothing, it has no meaning. Making more money. Nobody said that. So it's sort of maybe spending, maybe giving away. Uh, it could be any of those things, couldn't it? Well, it's not nothing, because it does have meaning. Do you said it does. But it's about how you do it. But ultimately, money and stuff is for spending. That's what it's for. You may save it because you, you need to be wise in how you use it. You may try and make more with it, but ultimately, you're thinking, I need to spend this. And this needs to get spent <coughs> for the sake of thinking somewhere down the track. But it's not because money in and of itself is special. Jesus says, and a couple of chapters ago, anybody who's a disciple gives up everything to follow Jesus. And that's not like, you know, the super disciples, and I'm just a sort of an entry-level disciple. No, the base-level discipleship is you actually give up everything to follow Jesus. You don't want it, you know, the, the cash, your wallet, you don't sort of hold that back. That's part of it. And this is just, you, know, you could outline a whole lot of other things there, couldn't you? Being a disciple of Jesus is not throwing a few bucks to something that sounds like a good cause. It's the whole orientation of your life and goods to the kingdom and the preaching of the kingdom that will see people come to know the kingdom. Friends, you're going to spend a lifetime trying to work that out. I hope you spend not too long getting it worked out well. Your world, our world that we live in, a very rich world, says live for wealth in various different sort of covert ways we talk about it in being ethical with your wealth. Generous and so on. But it really is all about me make wealth from me so that I can decide what I want to do. And Jesus says, yeah, you make wealth for you so that you can use it for the kingdom. Spend it for the kingdom. That's your whole orientation of life. Uh, I speak with one who, who struggles with it day after day after day. you just got to keep reorienting your life around the king and the kingdom priorities not the stuff of the world that gets sold to and sold ever so cleverly doesn't it ever so cleverly it's not usually always those blatant you know Joyce Main ads that like bam 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 you go buy this buy 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 that's not well maybe that works for you you've got fridges you know at the back <laughs> It's the subtle thing that says, this is this will work for you. These gadgets will work for you. You're more sophisticated than that, that, that. Jesus says, money is there for spending, for the kingdom. You might save it, you might grow it, but it's ultimately for the kingdom. So work out how to use it. Jesus preaches that in God's 
new order, wealth is meant for people's eternity, so get smart about it. But strangely enough, uh, it's not about having lots of stuff and spending money uh, that matters, or having a lot to spend that matters. Uh, what's needed is faithfulness, says Jesus. Money in God's kingdom is about a character of faithfulness. It's not a means to our fulfillment. And so, like with anything, the youth group leader, the person you're looking to take on as the youth group leader, the person that you're looking to be on a roster for something, the person that you look for, the people who are faithful. In the little things, they say, I'll do crash. Why are they volunteering for crash? I'm not sure why, but they're there every week, every week, every week, every week. Much better than the person who says, yeah, I'll run the whole show and then just fails and fails and fails to do their responsibility. But everyone loves them because they're such a great person. Uh, it's about being faithful in little things. You don't need much to be faithful. You just need to be faithful in the much that you have. Focus dinner is on every Thursday night. And a couple of times a semester, uh, your faculty groups that you're in make food for the focus dinner uh, so that internationals like to come along and eat food. Uh, it's something that's part of a lot of the cultures that come along. And it's a great way for local Aussies to serve the hearing of the gospel. But perhaps you live in a college, a residential college, which means you don't have any money because these are so expensive. But also you don't have a kitchen uh, to cook anything in anyway, and but you don't have to cook. Um, be astute. Don't let that sort of thing get in the road. Ask a few others who are in a similar situation to chip in a few bucks. Spaghetti bolognese. Ask somebody who you don't know, got a kitchen. Say, can we use your kitchen? Actually, can you just have a cook? And there you go. You've produced the food, you've done it together, learn how to cook, and you can do it again. Just be astute with what little you have to maximise it for the kingdom. Jesus is saying, no matter how much you've got, but being faithful with it, it's a character thing. It's a character thing. But do you love money more than you love God? Jesus says, can't serve two masters, verse 13. Either you'll hate one or love the other. Or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Have a chat quickly on the table. Let's give a question. How can you tell that you love money?
It's a difficult question. It's a big question. Anyone got any short ideas about how you can identify when you love money? Or when you worry about money. Good. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you know you've got everything you need, but you're still worried. Do I have enough? Any others? Um, if you get angry about um, money issues or being ripped off, or something like that, to the point where you're not loving someone? Okay, when it leads to not love, yeah. and unloving. Actions and thoughts. Yeah. What were you going to say, Denny? Um, I was just going to say, talk about it all the time. Talk about it all the time. What did he do? Talk about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is your only motivation to work. Your only motivation to work. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the word only saved you there. <laughs> You love it so much that you, you don't want to depart with it. You just yeah. like having it build up. Yeah, yeah. When you can't give it away, when you can't spend it. Yeah. They're great answers. And they'll be different things for little kids differently. Uh, <coughs> some, you'll love it, you'll worry about it, you'll get angry about it, you don't want to spend it. If you love God, you'll spend money. It's meant for spending. It's meant for spending. The Pharisees here do they just think it's ridiculous. First of all, the Pharisees were loved with money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed And he said, no, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart. I think Jesus would have said that as an answer. I think I would have expected him just to say, you are those who love money more than you love God. But he says, you are those who justify yourselves before men. They want to look good before others. That's what they want to do. They want to be seen. They want to have status. They want to... It's about personal fulfillment for them. And they use their wealth to do that. They use their wealth for themselves to look good for others. They don't use their money for others. And so Jesus condemns them with this judgment. What's exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And he tells them this story in verse 19 about Lazarus and this rich man. There's a man who has everything and lacks nothing. And he feasts sumptuously every day. And at the front gate of his place lay Lazarus, crippled, diseased, hungry, just for a crumb from the guy's table. They both died. The rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus is transported to hang out with Abraham. That means he's in a very cool place. A bit like hanging out with Hugh Jackman or something like that. He's, and he, yes, he's cool, that's right. The rich man, however, he, he hates the place of the dead, the place of judgment, the place 
where he is feeling. And he sees Lazarus off in the distance and calls out for just, just a drop of water. And Abraham intercedes. says, you've had your time using wealth and you've used it for yourself. Now it's Lazarus's turn. And anyway, no one can get from your side to the other uh, or back from this side to yours. Um, so, well, in that case, the man says, send Lazarus back and get a message back to my family so that they can repent. Uh, Abraham says they've got the message of Moses and the prophets. They'll listen to that. Man says, no, 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 they won't. Uh, but someone, if someone rises from the dead, then they'll definitely repent about that. Abraham says, sorry, buddy, whatever your name is, whatever your name uh, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Kingdom that Jesus brings, bring judgment on those who won't hear the message of the kingdom. Either preached through the law and the prophets, Moses and the prophets, that point towards Jesus, or the preaching of the kingdom that ultimately comes through the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is going to bring judgment. And it's a right judgment for those who use the things of God for their own benefit, but not just that, to use it and abuse others and are indifferent to the needs of others. Jesus says to the Pharisees and those who seek to use others to fulfill themselves, you've got what you've got. Everything you've got now, that's all you're going to get. Following Jesus, don't go down that line, friends. Your whole life is about making the message of Jesus known. That's what your life is about if you're a disciple of Jesus. If you're thinking about becoming a disciple of Jesus, that's what your whole life is all about. It's not actually about the chemistry, the physics, the maths, the commoners, the whatever it is you're studying. That's just sort of along the way to get some money to spend on the kingdom. Your cash and stuff are meant to make the Jesus known. Become shrewd, become wise, become experts at making your stuff work well for the kingdom. Is that right? Thanks for the kingdom that Jesus brings, that changes this world, that changes people's lives from the inside out, that changes whole groups of people, that changes the way we think about wealth, riches, cash and stuff. Help those of us who are disciples of the Lord Jesus to use our stuff and spend it so people can come to know Jesus. For those of us Lord who don't know uh, Jesus as Lord, that will be able to see that Jesus is the Lord of your kingdom who brings a whole new way of living and brings judgment for those who won't hear his message. Lord, impact us with our, your message today. Hi, I'm Steph. I am in my third year of psychology, and I'm going to continue to lead us in prayer. So, God, we thank you for our faculty groups that meet on campus. We thank you that we can meet with students studying similar courses and read the Bible and pray with one another. 
We thank you that we are free to meet with one another and openly read the Bible and learn about Jesus. We thank you, God, for the faculty group leaders who lead these groups. We pray that they will have wisdom and energy to lead this discussion well. We also pray for other Christian groups and other unions in Australia. We pray for the Ballarat Christians at uni who meet across several different campuses and unions. We thank you for this semester's outreach events discussing is marriage relevant anymore and do good people go to heaven? And we also pray for their campus Bible studies that they will be an encouraging and challenging time. Amen. Amen.